This is the Happy Dev Podcast with me, James Brooks. This week, I'm speaking to Caleb Porzio. Hey man. How's it going? Caleb splits his time between freelancing and working on Livewire, a front-end framework for Laravel, and Alpine.js, a rugged and minimal framework for JavaScript. Caleb is also a speaker, blogger, and screencaster. Can you tell us a bit about yourself away from the computer? Yeah, I could go away from the computer, but you wouldn't hear me. So I'll <laughs> stay by the computer. Um, away from the computer, I I do a lot of things. Um, I bounce back and forth between a lot of things. I think I have that, that gene where you like go really hard into something and get obsessed with it, and then you just completely forget about it and are not interested at all. And then you rinse and repeat that over and over. And itch that you have to scratch and then it stops itching. Exactly. But I found that like over my lifetime, they come back like they, they, I recycle them. So I thought that I was a really inconsistent person, but actually they come back into like my, the forefront of my attention. So I guess it, it, it smooths out the waves a little bit. But um, I guess some of those are, so fly fishing is the latest one, but it's really cold now. So that's, uh, that's been slowed down, but yeah, fly fishing, it's just kind of really hooked me another, (laughs) 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 um, so that's good. Uh, program, I really like programming. I know that's on the computer, but I like it even just for fun. Um, it's just been a passion of mine forever, but, uh, a lot of outdoors things. I just started watching this show alone. Well, I, I revisited the show. Have you heard of it? No. It's called Alone. It's it's like the only good game show. Um, they basically send ten people into the woods, and last man standing wins. And they have they okay. can bring ten items, um, and they record themselves. So they're totally alone in the woods, and they have to survive and eat food and live and whatever. Um, anyway, that stuff totally activates me. Like, I love camping. I love survival stuff. I love hiking and backpacking and hunting and fishing and canoeing and all the things. What 10 items would you take with you? What 10 items? Oh, uh, definitely a tarp. That'd be number one, like a nice big tarp. They all do that now. The first season, they got creative with the items. <laughs> and then like, yeah, some people just <laughs> tapped mistake. out after day two. So now now there's some basics and like a good <laughs> knife, a tarp, a fire starter. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'd bring it. Like definitely fishing line. That's like the most important thing. One of the most important things. You could do a lot with that. Um, yeah. That's probably what I'd bring. Maybe a guitar, if I could fit it. Let's start by talking about your experiences with mental health. When did they start, and how do they manifest for you in particular? Yeah, so uh, they they go way back. Me and mental health go way back. Um, I guess the, the first big run-in was... Uh, I, I guess I don't actually have a specific point in time, but when I was a kid, I was really afraid of vomit, vomiting, people vomiting, hearing vomit my whole life um, to a real, like a really strong degree, like to the point where it stops you from doing lots of things. Like um, I'd fear sleepovers. I would fear, I, f- I remember like fearing summer camp and, and really being pressured to go and never like telling anybody why. Um, and having to like make up excuses, fear like theme parks, uh, flying. The first time I flew was terrifying because of that, like not because of, 
you know, like dying in the air. <laughs> it, <laughs> the thing that can't hurt you. Yeah, <laughs> I know the thing that, that nobody cares about um, was like, well, what if I get sick or what if, you know, somebody they have bar like just seeing the barf bags on the plane just was like, you know, depressing to me. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I but, you know, when you grow up with something like that, you you don't uh, really acknowledge that it's very different from anyone else until you get older and then you realize that like oh this is this is a kind of controlling life thing that nobody else seems to have um and you keep it to yourself it's something i still don't really talk about that much you keep it to yourself because if it's i I always remember hearing people say like oh i'm 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 deathly afraid of spiders to be like or i'm oh i'm terrified of heights i'd be like yeah, like you don't get it. <laughs> like if you were, if you were really afraid of spiders in the way that I'm afraid of vomit, you wouldn't tell anyone because then they would have control over you. Yeah. Then they, they would either tease you about it or they would, you know, uh, the, the worst case would be, they would, you know, show a spider to you or throw a spider at you. <laughs> so Whereas, yeah, in your case, it could be to throw vomit at you, I guess. Like, <laughs> exactly. Just it, sling could, it could happen, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Of all the things they could do, that would be the least uh, terrifying, would be vomit being thrown at me. I'll take that one over all the others. But um, but so, yeah, I guess it's something I, I always lived with. And then uh, when I actually started working at Titan, uh, a coworker... <laughs> Um, messaged me privately in the Slack channel and said, hey, do you have a life-crippling fear of vomit? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, they're observant. (laughs) I know. And I I just stopped dead in my tracks and I immediately replied, why yes (laughs) to you? (laughs) (laughs) And this person said, yeah. And so immediately we became best friends and uh, yeah. Bondanova vomit. Yep. And it's all, you can tell like... trying to think of a good parallel but you know it's like a secret code because you you live a certain way in these all these really subtle ways that have like these neurological grooves that have developed through your whole life and little weird things um you know you can just pick it out in someone else you know and uh and he picked it out of me and i I remember asking him and i don't remember the exact reasons but um but it, it was subtle stuff but then i'm like hey do you fear this oh yeah hey did you avoid this growing up oh yeah uh, hey, you're probably scared of this now. Yep. <laughs> so it was nice to, to meet another person. And he, he was farther along. He's like, oh man, you got to check out the subreddit. Like, uh, there, you know, f- unfortunately it's not that well researched. I guess like some ridiculous percentage of the population has it. Um, some surprising percentage and yeah, but, um, but there's no real cure. Exposure therapy helps, but who wants to <laughs> sit there and watch people vomit or induce vomiting themselves yeah that's a good point actually is it is it just other people's vomit yours or it's everything or just everything it's everything how do you how do you deal with being sick then is it your sick somebody else is sick or all sick it's it's all sick um definitely my sick and it's surprising like the people who have this condition don't vomit that often <laughs> okay because it's well, is what, that where it stems from then, do you think? What's that? Oh, no, you know what? Possibly. But I, I mean, I vomited like I think the, the average amount as a kid, like I had the flu. Yeah. And those were like so depressing to me. 
it was just so depressing. Sickness in any way has always been really depressing to me. So I guess what I was going to say is I have someone with this condition, but I'll just say me, has like a conditional general anxiety disorder. That's what they actually categorize it as now, is that okay. they just kind of lump it in general anxiety. But really, it's, yeah. it's a specific anxiety because I'm not really an anxious person about other things in my life. Um, but this one thing I am. So I have all the symptoms, somebody with general anxiety disorder, depression, things like that. But just, just in this narrow thing, it happens to manifest itself in all sorts of ways. But, um, but yeah, so, so if I'm sick, that is extremely depressing, (laughs) but you know, what's interesting. The most mentally free I ever have been in my entire life unshackled is after I vomited because you're not scared of it it's like after it happens you're like oh the worst thing that could possibly happen to you just happened and i lived so yeah (laughs) but then that doesn't kind of repeat going onwards then does it you have to re-experience it again yeah it wears over time yeah yeah Yeah. being exposed to vomit in my life has helped me um yeah if anybody listening to this (laughs) i just want to make it clear if anybody like like if I go to Laracon and somebody vomits in front of me on purpose, it's over, man. It is over. <laughs> I will personally throw them out for you. That is, I mean, that's just not socially acceptable. anyway. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, honestly, th- these are the weird things that I think about. It's like, I'm so yeah. grateful that, that generally people hate vomiting just because it sucks. <laughs> yeah. So it's not yeah. something that, that um one is very odd to not want to be around um and two it doesn't happen all that often but oh the thing that i was telling you before like i think i i imagine some of this has to do so my brother i said is like a careless vomiter he <laughs> earlier you described him as a reckless a reckless vomiter, vomiter. <laughs> he's a he's just he's the opposite of me in so many ways he just doesn't like i'm an anxious person i i have I don't know. He's everything just rolls off his back. He's so chill. He ha- he doesn't fear anything. Um, and growing up, he, I rem- I have this one of my earliest memories. We had bunk beds, and I was on the bottom bunk. And the bottom bunk is wider than the top bunk. And I remember opening my eyes and seeing a pile of vomit in front of my face. <laughs> I was like really young. And I don't know if that started it, but I definitely remember that. And then there's like any time, like my dad, he's a, he's a food broker. And so he's been in the food industry and they have food shows. I don't know if you've ever heard of food shows. I've never been to one, but yeah. Okay. Um, so we used to go to these things all the time because it's like where at like Laracon, you get free stickers from booths, you get yeah. food and you just nice. like load up bags and bags of food. Um, and every time he would throw up. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. I mean, I think we can see where this has come from, can't we? Yeah. So that's probably has something to do with it. So, yeah. So away from the vomit then. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess that kind of underline, uh, like underlines other anxieties. Yeah. Um, I would probably say so. I think the other, I guess, mental health things that I deal with. Um, yeah. So I, I have some like... I have some, uh, like my ego is kind of rigged to be, to fixate on like achievement and achieving things and looking good in front of people. Um, when people admire me, 
that is basically the best thing. Like my brain is, is addicted to that. Um, so like growing up, I, I don't know. I, I always had a lot of friends. I wanted to be liked by people. And so I would do a lot of mirroring and I still do it accidentally. Like I just kind of match whoever I'm talking to. I, my brain sort of picks up like, you know, the things, the, the things they might want me to say or the, the attitude they might, might want me to have, like, and I'll sort of match that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's, uh, yeah, so th- there's like some particular ego fixations of mine that are very unhealthy and I've, and I've, and those have, have actually uh, manifested themselves in some, in some ugly ways during my career um, and, and in life, but at really heightened uh, in my career. And they're just, you know, that's all added to the, the life's journey of things of, you know, uh, areas I have to navigate. And I do a lot of self-reflection, thinking about the way I'm thinking and acting. And Out of interest, how do you kind of identify that you're mirroring and, and what do you do to not do that? Yeah, right. So I guess here's a, here's a good example. Um, so like when I was younger... I guess like if, if you, if you knew me when I was young and you knew me now, I've definitely changed a little bit. Like I used to be really, really outgoing, um, mm-hmm. life of the party type, very funny. And sometimes I am that way, but you're I'm, still funny, Caleb. What's it? Oh, that. <laughs> thank you, Jason for <laughs> Um, but I, I used, that used to be part of my like, uh, identity, I guess. Yeah. My dad was really funny. He loved when I was funny and would laugh at my jokes and, that, you know, was like a part of my identity. And over time I got less like that. Um, I don't know if this is answering the question, but, uh, so basically when I was younger, I I mirrored more, like I was, I was just more, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I say mirrored. I don't think it's some like weird psychological like problem. I think a lot of people do it and don't even know it, but, um, but yeah, like if, if I was in a situation where, you know, maybe crude humor was, was the way of the party, like I would match that. Or if I, um, you know, was in a, like a (laughs) a group of, um, uh, let's say like a highly educated proper people, I would become highly educated and proper, you know? Did that ever affect you negatively? Did you make silly decisions? Oh, I don't think so. I mean, I probably did stupid things to be liked like any kid, (laughs) but I, no, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I guess the way that it, it manifested itself in my career is not not as much of that like personality mirroring thing, but more the like wanting to be uh, admired or respected, like like anybody does. But um, you know, at any job, like the people above me, I my subconscious would just like work really hard to to be good and be the best and be uh, respected and. Uh, you know, whatever. Um, and to Did that ever come across egotistical? Oh, I don't think so. Um, because I think at the end of the day, like it's, I think I'm a nuanced enough person that I can't really label any of these one things as the way I am because I'm also like a team player and I'm also like just generally, I, I do think I'm a good person. So I think people smell that. Like they don't think that I'm just being, uh, artificial. I guess, I guess what I'm saying is I, I think I'm a pretty real and honest person. Um, so I don't think it ever came across as really egotistical, but, but definitely, you know what? Probably, probably I'm going to say yes. 
but without it meaning to or really being at kind of the extreme level that some people get to yeah right i don't think i don't think i was ever the guy that people like didn't want to be around or thought was like a a douchebag for you know being i don't know for having a big hat or something like that i don't think that i ever had i ever wore that but um but yeah so if so i would want to be uh, uh i'm trying to think of the right word but whatever, I would want to be respected or admired. And if that was withheld from me, my brain just would like break, you know, it's like a vacuum that it would just draw towards and, you know, you'd want it more and more. And the more you want it, the more us, the person who detects you wanting it reserves it. And it's kind of an infinite loop. Earlier, you mentioned having a lot of different passions. Do you find yourself fleeting between them a lot? Do you spend a a little bit of time, like little and often on them? Or do you like go really hard into it and then stop for ages? Like, how does that work for you? Yeah, um, good question. It all depends on the thing. Uh, Yeah, like Laravel is kind of weird because it's stuck around for so long. Um, It's actually, you know, it's actually just a passion of mine and programming in general. Um, but there's definitely things like circuitry is something I've always bounced in and out of, um, you know, tinkering in that way and trying to think of the other ones. There's, there's a bunch, but music, piano, like I, the guitar is one that's stuck my entire life. Um, but that goes in waves. It, it all goes in waves, but some of the, some of the things are steeper, um, yeah, steeper waves. I I definitely do have this warped timeline in my brain. My wife points this out all the time. <laughs> that in my mind, I've been doing something forever. And yeah, it's really, exactly it might be like same. three weeks. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so I say things like, I mean, I just, I say honestly just wrong timelines or I'll just exaggerate and, and she'll be like, you just started this a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yep. my wife does the exact same thing. It sounds very similar to to myself that like development is the thing that stuck with me through my entire mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And I start many projects and not just development projects, but like I wanted to, I built my, my desk and, uh, I'm like, man, I could sell these desks. And then, oh. and then I, I start researching everything and I put it all together. I'm like, yeah, this is how I'm going to do it. I'll set up a Shopify account and then I just get bored and move on from it. Yeah. Um, do you think, like I, I I only thought about this when I was looking through um, the form that you submitted but do you find do you think that we're both trying to just kind of fill a void that development gives you until you come off the computer and they're like I need something that will keep me busy maybe yeah I don't know are, are you saying are you saying that that like what like we're developing all day and then when we're off the computer there's an emptiness and we need to, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's probably true. The problem with when I get into these things, woodworking is a, a good example. That's definitely, a, that's a perfect example. Cause that's something I'm not even interested in at all right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> but I have an entire garage full of tools and a half finished teardrop camper and you know, I, I mean, like I've, I've gotten in every form of woodworking. I have all these carving tools and like basswood, uh, like hanging around my office, like right now, like carving knives and spoon carving. And, and I was into that for 10 minutes, you know, <laughs> for like whatever, two weeks and thought I was going to be a spoon carver, that whole idea. So to answer your question about it, it, is it something to fill a void or something? 
um, after a long day of development. Uh, probably, but I, I think that the reason I question that is because when I'm into these things, I don't want to develop. Like, I don't want to be on the computer. I want to do that thing all day. With, with the woodworking, you said that you surrounded yourself with, like, different kinds of wood um, tools and everything. Do you, do you think that maybe you overwhelmed yourself? Um, I guess the best example is, yeah, I definitely. the So this teardrop trailer, I... I was really excited about this idea of building... You know what a teardrop trailer is? Um, No, I'm going to Google it. Yeah, it's like a little camper. They were popular in like the 60s or something. Um, And you can tow it with a car. And it's its profile Uh, is a teardrop shape. You'd be making one of these? Yes. Wow. Yeah, it's a pretty ambitious project. Uh, Like from scratch... Uh, designing it all like this whole I had like Google SketchUp going um, see that's like how far have you got into this uh, I'm not going to throw at you a percentage because it will certainly be wrong because I thought I'd finish it in three months and that did not happen but uh, I have the trailer the base the walls and half the cabinets built but there's still a lot more but uh, yeah so um, anyhow that's a, a great example of something that I went in like so hard, like full force. Every day I worked at Titan all day. And then as soon as I got off work at Titan and I would wake up early so that I could get off early and I would just start working on it until like nighttime and then rinse and repeat um, over and over and over. And it, and I loved it. I was in my glory, like sawdust everywhere. Um, it was just great. Uh, but but then, you know, it just like fizzled out. Like there were, it got cold. Yeah. And I bought a space heater that didn't work. I bought like a tor- torpedo heater, whatever they call those. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't enough. And, and then it, I guess what it was is something stalled me out. I mean, it's a perfect analogy for like every project, like anything that it sounds like, like, like uh, you being a desk uh, maker slash salesman, yeah. like maybe maybe it's a similar thing and this is a the teardrop is the the biggest example of this in my life but there's this happens on a small scale all the time you're super ambitious you have a big vision this time you're going to do it you go full force throw everything at it and then some hiccup happens something interrupts you it's like going to the gym people who go to the gym you know anytime i go to the gym i'm like okay every day gotta go to the gym and i do for maybe a month and then, yeah. you know, you have to travel somewhere or something or eating healthy. It's You fall off the wagon and it's really hard to get to the finish line. You know, once it's not sexy anymore, it yeah. just peters out. And then, you know, when it becomes a chore. Exactly. And then I go, yeah. well, you know, who was I doing this for myself? So if myself doesn't want to do it, then I try to follow through on things. But that is my life struggle for sure no doubt yeah especially when you start many things like yes you get yes. kind of bogged down in but i've got this 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 and this that i could also be doing yep you're an accomplished speaker but yet you used to have a fear of public speaking why was that and how did you overcome it um i first i wouldn't call myself an accomplished speaker but i mean you're very good at it thank you for saying that i saw you at full stack europe and you were by far my favorite. Wow. James Brooks. We can- <laughs> I mean, take that, take that how you want. But. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Um, I, I guess, yeah, so I, I've been deathly afraid of 
public speaking forever, but I, there is a diff. Like I, I want to also say that any time I've had a lot of opportunities to public speak because of being involved and in, like growing up in a church and church groups and summer camps and things. Um, and I did music, so I like led worship and all this stuff for a long time. Um, so I've had a lot of opportunities and most of the time I will say that this is my disclaimers that most of the time, even if I've been terrified, people say that I'm a natural. That's what people say. Um, yeah. so I think I am generally, um, once I'm in that zone, I am mm-hmm. like charismatic and appear to be comfortable even if I'm extremely uncomfortable. So I'll say that I don't think everybody has that trait. And that I feel like just can't, comes natural to me. That's just part of my my predisposition, I guess. Um, yeah. but Nerves are healthy though. No, yes. Yeah. I was just you listening don't want to... You to be cocky, do you? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. In, in some way... Here's actually a good example. The one time I didn't have nerves. I was doing a live wire meetup. So I put out on Twitter like, Hey, if you want me to speak about live or your meetup, book me. So I booked a bunch of these and this one was a lot later than the rest. And I just reused what I'd been doing, but I didn't prepare really. Cause I'd already done it a bunch, but uh, like a month or two had gone by since I did the last one and it wasn't that many people. And I wasn't, it didn't even, it barely even crossed my mind that I had it. It was just on my calendar. I didn't even care at all. And then I showed up to it and I started doing it and everything was going fine. And all of a sudden I hit some error. And I couldn't figure out the error and I ended up, oh man, this is like the dumbest thing ever. I typed nah, (laughs) nah is, uh, for the listener. It's a, I guess, sort of a oddly well-known alias in the Laravel community. Jeffrey way gets credit for that. It's if, uh, basically it just resets the, your Git branch, your active branch. It uh, puts you back to you know, whatever the last commit was, it resets the state to that. Um, so I typed nah, and then, and then everything broke. I don't even, I've never had anything like everything broke, broke, like broke, broke to the point where I was like, I am so sorry. I don't know what to do. Um, well, I guess I'll explain to you what I was going to do. (laughs) (laughs) It was probably, it was one of the few times in my life that I've truly bombed. And that, that was a bomb experience where like, the pressure wow. adds up though, doesn't it? And then you start worrying and then you're not thinking straight. And Yes. Oh, in those moments, not good. Yeah. Not a this recipe. danger for... with live coding. Yes, it is. It totally is. Yeah. Oh, I don't even want to think about that. Like what if that happened at Laracon? Oh, that would be terrible. But um, anyway, most of the time I don't bomb, but that's a good example, like you said, of one where like nerves are good because when you have nerves, you prepare. <laughs> and you're kind of on it like gives you this adrenaline this laser focus that i lacked in that moment but early on public speaking i uh i had a couple bombs like i was like a really really young kid and was in a play and i i forgot my I just blanked i had one line it was the velveteen rabbit play <laughs> i had one line and i just blanked and I don't even know. I was, re- it was one of, one of my really, er- you know, one of those early memories where everything yeah. around that time period is really fuzzy, except for that one traumatizing experience. <laughs> yeah. This is that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I totally blanked and just stared at the audience and I actually came up with something off the cuff, which was good, I guess. Um, and then another time in high school, I was really intimidated by my classmates. I was new to the school and we had to present some like book review or something. And 
that and I bombed. I I was standing up there, my mouth got like sand dry. Like I could like choke on my mouth. It was so bad. And my my leg was shaking. Like I couldn't stop my leg from shaking. It was actually shaking. It was terrifying. And and it was horrible and I'm like and everybody knows it right now. And then I went back to my desk and was like, did that just happen? My life is <laughs> How old over. were you then? Uh, 13, 14, I don't know. It was not good. <laughs> Being able to move on from that is is huge because like, you, you, I wouldn't blame you if you never wanted to do any public speaking just because of that one experience. Yeah. Um, I guess that's that's something that... like, So the, the first Laracon I did was terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Like the kind of thing where... Like any of these, every time I public spoke for so long, it's like just the worst feeling in the pit of your stomach for months for me leading up to it. And then it gets worse and worse as you get closer and you just want relief so bad. And and I would tell myself things like, the day after you will have done it and you will not have died. That's all, like, that's good news. You should be happy about that. <laughs> It's good that through that though that you that you would still submit a talk even though you know you're going to dread it until the day. Yeah, so I guess that's the sort of um, that is something that I've something that I've definitely internalized is like if it scares the shit out of me, I have to do it. Unfortunately, it seems to me that you've got quite like a driven character. Like you've you quit your job, you. Are working on Livewire and Alpine pretty much full-time, I'd say. And then you said earlier, um, before we started recording, that you've been up since 1 a.m.? That is true, yeah. What, what is it that drives you? Um, yeah, I think probably two things. One is I actually, I love creating things. Um, I love, love creating anything. Um, and so I, I, I just want to do that all the time and I want to make something better and better. And I've, I feel like, uh, so there are other reasons, but this is this reason I think like, uh, there's this book that I picked up called the war of art and it sort of describes how like great art, you know, I mean, this is stuff a lot of us know, but it does a good job of of outlining like good great art is not uh it doesn't come from inspiration it doesn't it's not a stroke of of inspiration that pops in your head or you know it's it's not um it's something that you that's a you fight a war like you you are a professional art like artist like you show up to the writing desk or the computer or whatever every day and you put the grueling work in and you fight the demons of you know, the war of art, the things that's tried to stop you from doing something great. Um, and so for me, I feel like at the level that I'm at with Laravel, I'll just say Laravel in general, um, which I'm not going to judge what that level is. I'm just going to say that it's the highest level of anything in my life. Like I'm pretty good at guitar, but I'm not that good. You know, like I, I'm like, but with Laravel, it's the one thing that I've been able to stick to long enough to get good enough where I can experience the spoils of, of being creative at a high level, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think about this a lot, like just, I was driving this morning 
I forget what I was thinking about. It's probably music. I think about this with music a lot where, oh, it was, uh, I was listening to a Joe Rogan interviewing Bill Burr and they're talking about drumming and, and Bill Burr's talking about the greatest drummer in the world. And, you know, that's probably a whole other psychological rut we could go down of like me always just kind of being attracted to this idea of, of like greatness, I guess, which is totally egotistical, but this is just me being transparent. I just have always wanted that. Um, so I hear that and I'm like, oh, could I be the greatest? And in my brain, like I'm, I'm actually drumming. This is hilarious. <laughs> I'm like drumming in my brain when they're saying that I'm like, yeah, I could, I could see, I could see being that. The, but the problem is to get the mechanics, to get my hands, to be able to express that with my hands, like well enough, like it would take so long, uh, just so long. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. Um, so anyway, I, I'm kind of going off here, but Laravel has shown me, like I've, I've witnessed the excellence at higher levels than anything else in my life. So I've, I'm operating at this level that I really enjoy. And, and, but now I've seen like what it takes to do something great. And I don't think I've done, uh, I, I don't want to sell myself short or over. I'll just, I'll, I'll say that I see people who I think are great and the things they do are great. And I now realize more than ever, because I think I'm closer than ever, I realize more than ever that it is so unbelievably hard and you have to work at it so ridiculously yeah. hard. And I think it helps when it it's a passion. as well. Like it's for not sure. just your job to learn Laravel. Like you enjoy it. You want to make things for yourself. You want to make things for other people right. outside of work. And you spend all of your time reading the documentation, playing with it, reading the code. And then you kind of look back one day and like, wow, I really know this thing. But then if you were to go back and total up all the hours that you spent on it and not even just like actual physical working hours, but the hours that you're thinking about it, you know, when you fall asleep and you're like, what if yeah. like I was to do this? All of that time that you spend thinking about it, if you were to then go and apply that to something like the drums, like that's a lot of commitment. Yeah, right. And then you kind of like, especially when you're looking back in hindsight, you're like, man, I'm not putting that amount of hours into anything. Aside from Twitter and Instagram, you totally quit social media. How long have you been unplugged and how do you think that helps? Oh man, yeah. Social media is so, so unhealthy. And And I realize it. I don't, Twitter's the one that I let happen, although it's gotten pretty bad and we could talk about that. But uh, Facebook, I realized, I don't know, like right out of high school or something. I just realized all of the bad it was doing for my brain, <laughs> the constant comparison, the um, all of those things, comparing myself to other people. Like it's that that self-feeding loop. Like I I, I would see other people's best selves because they put it forth on on facebook and i would build them up and they would start to intimidate me or or i would think my life's not as exotic and then when i would do something exotic in my life i would feel like oh man like this is great i have to put this on facebook so that people see how exotic i am or how like interesting my life and i I guess i just realized i was like oh man that's so unhealthy so um so i just dropped facebook and haven't picked it up since and don't regret it at all i miss out on things you know people expect that i'm cued in on things that i'm not but it's so worth it but honestly like uh i'm all i'm acting all high and mighty with my ability to shed the unhealth of social media but i'm i do the same thing with twitter i mean if it's probably worse but yeah i I just kind of had one of those moments of um 
Well, one, recognizing what a just productivity suck it is, like seriously. Um, And I was afraid that if I wasn't keeping tabs on like my finger on the pulse of the the Laravel community, but also the larger tech community that I would miss out and I would, you know, people would be discovering things and would get ahead of me or would, or I just wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be cued in on, on things. Like it really, Twitter has been a superpower for me. So I was like, Oh, am I going to, am I going to fall behind now? Because I don't know the latest hotness. Um, but in, I don't know. I just went, well, I can just follow people again, but I think I need a reset, but I am a huge believer. I don't practice this all the time, but I think this is the most powerful way to, uh, basically solve your problems for me, like mental problem type stuff. So this is relevant is changing your environment. You know, this is said in, in tons of different ways and books and whatever philosophy, but, um, but man, like discipline's too hard. Uh, environment, if you change your environment, you know, like if you're like smoking is a good one because it's definitely something that I've like wrestled with in my life. And it's much harder to quit smoking when people around you, when your friends smoke and you hang out with them every day. Um, but if you murder all your friends who smoke, then, then it's not an issue at all, you know? Drastic, but yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you'd pick up on that and not think I'm a serial killer. Um, I don't know. I'm slowly backing away from the but, computer now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, uh, so the the Twitter thing that that's a great way of like, okay, I can. It's it's leverage basically. It's like I could try to um, you know unscrew this screw or un you know like uh, take this lug nut off my car with a tiny socket wrench, or I could use a breaker bar. And it's really easy just because the handle's longer. And that's what it is for me. It's like, okay, I could fight these mental battles. Um, And so transparency, a lot of the mental battles are the same thing with Facebook. People post cool stuff all the time on Twitter. I do it. That's all I do on Twitter. Mostly what I do. I feed the fire. But honestly, I can't handle it. Sometimes I can, but sometimes I can't. And And I recognize myself when I go, oh, like this person, they're, they're just better than me or like stuff like that. It's so bad. And I recognize that and, and I want to be better. I want to not feel that way. I want to not have those negative emotions. But in that moment, I went, you know what? It's time to change my environment. There's one way I know I cannot feel those emotions. Put the blinders on. So <laughs> silence. It's like an easy solution, but it takes quite a big step to make. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Speaking about social media, you recently tweeted about uh, leaving Titan and how you walked away from a job that paid $85,000 a year. Mm-hmm. I imagine lots of people stay at their jobs for the money, even when they're unhappy and don't enjoy the work. What advice do you have for those people? Um, with anything like this, I run the risk of not uh, understanding everybody's scenario. So just, of course, yeah. Disclaimer. Disclaimer, disclaimed. I say mm-hmm. leave it, <laughs> especially if you're in tech. There's so many jobs. If it's not working where you're at, leave, go find a place that it works. And if jobs don't work, don't do them. That's fine. It's not like you have, that's something I had to sort of realize is like, I don't have to be someone who's good at working for someone else for 40 hours a week and dealing with with like company politics and, and all, all the right things to do and say and all that stuff. Like, nah, if it's, if it's not working, eh, punt on it. And, uh, and you'll be, uh, surprised. There's this, you watch Mad Men. Uh, I haven't. Oh man. 
Mad Men should so good. Um, I'll just say it's basically a story about a guy who left a certain life and became a new person, basically. Spoiler okay. alert. It's like the fifth episode. You learn that. Sorry. I didn't actually reveal what it is, though. So he he's basically starts a new life, per se. And and then like later on the show, like it, the whole show is basically about him dealing with that. And and someone else in the show uh, does something does a pretty bad thing for the time period i'm not saying it's a bad thing in general because for people who know oh my gosh okay anyway does a bad thing and he's he's in the hospital he's sitting next to her she thinks that she's like you know has to do something and he he basically tells her to just walk away from it and he looks at her and he said you won't believe how quickly you can move on (laughs) something like that it was just some some anti-hero quote of like you know, him identifying with that. Anyway, that's what I want to say is like, you think it's a big deal and then you make the decision and oh man, perspective in life and all those things are so relative and you forget that. And then when your context changes, it's like, it's crazy. You think you're going to miss all your coworkers and maybe that's true. Um, and I do, you know, I do miss everybody at Titan. Actually, they're all phenomenal people, but I don't actually miss them on the day to day. I, I thought that you know, I would suffer some loss. Um, I suffered no loss. Yeah. Yeah. So to the listener, if you're in a bad situation or just an unideal situation for your lifestyle or type of personality or happiness or anything, and it's money, um, I would encourage you to, well, if you, if you need money, you need money and that's admirable, but, um, I don't know. I would encourage you to consider it. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. What makes you, Caleb, a happy dev? (laughs) Oh, what makes me a happy dev? This is the kind of thing I need like a month to think about. Let me just throw, I mean, Laravel makes me a happy dev. What makes me a happy dev? Um, Declarative code, declarative code, polymorphic code, removing. Okay, here's something that makes me a happy dev killing a conditional that's what i'm going to say and zero configuration making something feel like magic like live wire like live wire yeah yep i like things that feel like magic and not the bad kind the good kind where you go ooh, like laravel laravel even words just merged into one then cool well that kayla brings us to the end of the the episode great Thank you for not great. Oh, great. We're finally here. <laughs> great. We're at the end. <laughs> no, this is, oh, uh, nice. this has been great. I appreciate you having me making a space for people to talk about these types of things. Transparently. It's uh, it's noble. You're a great interviewer. I enjoyed my, my session. Thank you very much. I sincerely appreciate you coming on and talking about it and, and even opening up about a phobia that, genuinely has hindered your life yeah i appreciate that absolutely this is goodbye this is goodbye and that brings us to the end of the second episode of 2020 a huge thank you to caleb for spending the time talking to me you may have noticed the new artwork 
So I just want to say thank you to Canico for designing that. I really appreciate it. You've done a fantastic job. We're now accepting sponsorship for this podcast on our Patreon page. So a quick shout out to our monthly sponsors, Justin Jackson and Rob from 64 Robots. Also, thank you to the PHP Town Hall for sponsoring this episode. I will leave a link to the Patreon page in the show notes. For now, goodbye.